I can't clap. <laughs> Fuck. No. Nora is just... No, Nora was just looking at me funny. Stop it. Welcome to Hot Singles. Uh, I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Rex. Hello. Uh, I, I, wait, hang on. Well, let's roll it back a bit. Yeah. I'm cool with this, on this podcast at least. Call me Alexis. Okay, cool. I meant to check with you that about that before we hit record, and I forgot to. Even though <laughs> literally two seconds before you joined the call, I was like, uh, I need to ask if we're cool with Alexis on the pod now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. I did a tweet. The tweet did some numbers. I'm, I'm cool okay. Okay, cool. I don't keep up with Maine all the time, so I didn't know if you tweeted on Maine. <laughs> I have indeed uh, tweeted on Maine. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> so, ju- listeners, this is going to be just kind of a vibe check on like where Hot Singles is at generally. But where I'm at today, like in this moment, coming to you in this podcast, is I am recovering from a cold and my wrist is sprained. And I just recorded another podcast, and I've got another podcast later tonight. So we're doing our fucking best, and I think this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> but I need you to know how ramshackle it is. <laughs> Literally, physically ramshackle. Like you could start falling apart at any moment. Um, yeah. But please do not do that. We prefer Autumn to mostly be integral. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. This podcast has been a little slow to update lately, and I guess I just wanted to start with just like, how are you? How have you been? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean. so like, first up, I moved. I'm in a new place. That move took mm-hmm. inordinately long, and I'm 20 days in a new place, and it's good. It's nice. I'm very, very happy here. It's just like, you know, moving's absolutely bull-like. Uh, you've, you've been literally physically through the wars. Um, yes. Um, among other things. <laughs> I uh, sprained my wrist on my birthday. I got a new job about a month ago. Um, I I moved not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Um, exactly. We, we literally just an hour ago did an export where I did all this. And you haven't heard that yet, but the listeners might have. So uh, I, ha- I, ha- I have seen it in the feed. And I'm considering the fact that I want to make literally another value form joke about in this episode so i'm like <laughs> hmm i got Did- weirdly upset about the concept of the gold standard midway through that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that quote comes from <laughs> uh, 
Right. That literally the thing I did yesterday was make my IKEA Billy bookcase and then produce a Marx section, which is literally just like two volumes of Capital, two readers about Capital, volumes about Marx's <laughs> philosophy, what's about Marx's philosophy of nature. Like I, I, I could literally start like walking to the other side of this room and peeling books off the shelf and telling you why value is and isn't real because dialectics. But I we're just not think doing the that. gold standard isn't real. No, that that's <laughs> absolute bullshit. Absolute bullshit. But Here, I'm going to send you an image that I stole from a friend earlier today. Please. This <laughs> an anime girl saying, I chose not to remain ignorant. I'll learn about Marxism. What about you? And if that isn't hot singles in a nutshell. <laughs> exactly. The cute glasses. The little underwear glasses. It's incredible. <laughs> star earrings this is powerful this is an excellent energy um I, I believe i stole that image from olivia so thank you nice. olivia, for this shout out olivia uh yeah. best best dog on the internet um i have to in response <laughs> share this image which a friend made during our current round of um strikes which is i'm currently uploading uh opening hot singles here <laughs> for listeners at home this is two of the characters from i think bloom into you the Yuri so. manga and anime with the um top text in this in impact font what if we kiss bottom text what if we kiss on the picket line question mark um would that be gay who knows who knows <laughs> i'm We're not all straight one here at hot singles so clearly. i wouldn't the want to most... do anything gay the most straight of podcasts. Um, <laughs> um, hot singles. We went on hiatus and turned from an autogynophilic music podcast to a heterosexual transsexual music podcast. You know what I just noticed? Yeah. Um, so Time.is has always shown you the, the times in various other parts of the world. So I down here I see Los Angeles, New York, London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, and I suppose this is good. Um, I suppose this is like... <laughs> I see this. I see this. I, but they've always had um, Kiev, and uh, they recently changed it to the Ukrainian spelling instead of the Russian spelling. <laughs> and it's just very weird to see Time.is like interacting with the real world. <laughs> it's very strange. It's not a real website. How can it know about the real world? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just think of time.is as just like value neutral. Like it it, <laughs> it just that, gives but... you a number and to see it like make a sort of like, you know, politically motivated choice, one that I I would like broadly agree with, you know, I think you should probably spell the name of the city the way that the people of the city would like it to be spelled. Yeah, um, so the, the problem is you say that, it's just they also do have a bunch of like US and UN governmental initiatives that end up as days of something. Today we've got day of happiness, which is like somewhat benign, but like I'm waiting for like day of like, I don't know, um, capitalist self-sacrifice coming along in the next month or so. <laughs> And day like, of applying for an imf loan exactly <laughs> uh, day of disaster capitalism yeah um <coughs> this is this is entirely a thing that i expect would they just like entirely normalize and put on as a day of something alongside day of clowns which no one wants that either <laughs> but 
Um, it is International Day of Happiness, and we are being happy despite being physically disheveled. Um, I'm clicking on International Day of Happiness. See if I it's, can learn it's, anything I, about it. I did. It's a UN thing. <laughs> oh, there. I was just hoping that I could learn, like... Um, Oh, it's when you say it's a UN thing, you mean like you can click on this and go donate to quote unquote funds to help Ukraine, Yemen, Gaza, and elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I just I thought you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very literally. Um, I appreciate this. This is the the first thing on their call to action. Um, the first thing on their call to action is share positive messages with an image of what I think. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's Piccadilly Circus in London. With just imagine peace. I think the the funniest and most damning thing about um, the the legacy of John Lennon as a pop culture icon is that um, it, that fucking awful song he did could get like <clears throat> you know um, appropriated by the UN. Yeah, fucking <laughs> shout out to Gal Gadot, like killing irony in its cradle. Like, please. <laughs> um. We've, we've talked about geopolitics. We've talked about um, cute girls who do Marxism. You want to talk about music? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <clears throat> um, part of the reason that we haven't done this podcast in a while is that um, when I just consider the idea of music, I have just felt, like, zero passion, like, in my heart lately. And that's not, like anything wrong with the podcast that's not anything wrong with like listeners that means i failed that means it i personally not, have failed it does not mean that you have failed <laughs> all it means is just that like i just like i'll put on an album lately and i'll get like two songs into it and be like i want to go watch a movie <laughs> <laughs> i want to go watch some fucking anime I just, like, haven't been in a place to listen to music, I think, probably since the move to Chicago. We've done one, maybe two episodes since I've moved. Yeah. But I just, I haven't, like, had it in my heart. And um, we were talking about, like, <clears throat> doing an episode where you and Boo picked two albums and I was just, like, a third wheel. And I think we we probably will do that, and I think it'll be a good time. But, yeah, it's just been kind of hard to, like... F find the motivation i i move in cycles a lot where right now i'm in watching a lot of movies and anime and then you know uh in a month or two it'll swing the other way and i'll be like reading books and like listening to music and i'll be like fuck movies i hate movies uh but yeah it's just been it's just been the the, the passion hasn't been there and it's not about the podcast it's purely about a me thing but it has made it hard to do the podcast yeah. no i mean entirely makes sense so th there were like two questions like one is like are you just an anime bitch now like that just could be a feature of your life which like you know i mean it, happen like... it happens to people like sadly tragically it happens to people <laughs> it it could be i know that i move in phases a lot though so like uh -huh. it's probably a thing where Right now, I am an anime bitch, and maybe I'll be an anime bitch for the next six months, or maybe I'll be an anime bitch for the next week. It's literally impossible to tell with me. Yeah, you know? okay. Second question, how has your commute changed? Because I think this might be a, a factor. Oh, this is definitely, um, this is definitely a factor of it, because I, um now just walk 20 minutes and i've been listening to a lot of podcasts on that walk and then i get a 
I walk to work and then I get a lift home because I can get a free lift home. Um, and that's like a five minute ride. And then I'm just, once I'm at home, I just, I don't know. I just haven't like had a way for like music to fit in my life. You know, we'll figure it out though. Like for a while, anime didn't fit in my life. And then I was like, oh, I can watch it on the tablet and I can do blah, blah, blah. And it, it fit back in and we'll, we'll find the way that like, I want to listen to music. I just haven't done it, you know? No, it's it's really, really just, like, it's so obvious, like, fitting it in your life in a way that's sustainable and consistent is just, like, yeah, it's going to differ from moment to moment. And, like, I've been lucky enough that I have, like, the same music set up that I'm, like, slowly adding to once I've moved now that is, like, really stable and also really lovely that I, like, love the bits that is just always going to be here. If I sit at my desk, I've got great access to all the music I care about. And it's part of the way I like use this space and use this desk and use this work work environment. Like it's just that's the thing I use it for. Um, and it still doesn't stop me wanting to like have other ways of engaging with music. And like I'm thinking mm. a lot about that right now. It's like I've, I'm going to buy a TV for the first time. Like what's the audio setup going to be? Like what's my record player going to live? Like these are all open big questions that I will figure the, out in time. Yeah. So <clears throat> two two thoughts spinning out of that. One. Uh, uh, I hadn't thought about this until just now, just in this moment, but the years of my life where I was most actively listening to music coincided with the years where I did not own a television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or a tablet. Or I owned a tablet, but it was not good for watching things. It was good for, like, reading comics, but not good for much else, you know? Yeah. And this is the thing I've, I've like, obviously this is going to be different person to person. I got mm. an iPad for the first time in my life as of, like, six months ago? Seven months mm-hmm. ago? And it's a, a wonderful, wonderful device. And I use it for about, like, six things in total. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, have a, I have a Kindle Fire, a 10-inch Kindle Fire. <clears throat> I had a 7-inch one for years. Um, the thing about the Kindle Fire is that it is, like, genuinely one of my favorite objects I own. And mm-hmm. I use it for two things. I, re- I use it for watching shows and um, reading comics. And I don't really want it to do anything else, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, the reason I've, like, slowly crept back into pl- uh, play, watching anime, is specifically because I have an iPad, and I can just, like, flex stream stuff in my bed. Right, That is a, exactly. a nice way to waste a morning or two, or several, uh, th- several dozen hours in a day, yeah. And um, I can prop it up in a corner of my kitchen, and I can make my scrambled eggs and toast in the morning, and watch an episode of Sailor Moon, and then I can take it out of my kitchen. I don't have to have a dedicated, like, viewing thing... Yeah. That is always taking up space in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the dream. Um, but yeah, like the thing I realized is like that was an addition I made that fitted into stuff that was it was replacing phone screen time, and that's a good thing actively, like a mm-hmm. nicer, more tactile, more visually appealing experience. Like better to watch YouTube shit on, better to watch yes. um, like streamed anime on. Like it's just a nicer experience. The thing yeah. I just hadn't sorted out was like I'm still building my record collection really actively where is the record player going to live? How's it like, where is, what's the tactile moment that's going to happen in my living room when I like go to put on a record? What's, where am I going to sit? What's the sound going to be in the place that I sit? All of that stuff is like stuff I'm literally deciding now. Like, do I need to buy new furniture to like get the situation I want out? And that's just genuinely like a fun experience, like investing the time to like figuring out the like routines that I want in my life for this sort of thing. The other part for me, though, is, like, I am slowly falling in love with Bristol as a city properly because the music scene is just bonkers good. Like, 
absurdly good. Um, That's another thing I'm excited about is that like, I'm going to go see two concerts this year. We have tickets. Um, (gasps) I'm going to go. One, I live in Chicago now, which is a much better city for like, even just like ignoring like local music scenes. More bands come to Chicago on tours than came yeah, yeah. to St. Louis. No, you know? absolutely. And like um, Bristol's like good enough for that. Um, certainly better than where I was for uni, but like pretty good. Obviously, everyone will always play London, but they won't always play the other cities in the UK. The difference in Bristol, though, is like two things. One is that like the actual straight up local music scene is still like blowing me away every time I see new bits of it. Um, there are local bands doing extraordinary things. Um, the the show I went to about a week ago was a... I will link it to you so you can... Uh, still got the Bandcamp code that they were handing out with the tickets. Iceman oh, nice. Furnace Quartet. Album's called Hardboiled. Um, I will link it to you. Um, Iceman Furnace is a improv group. Um which basically is fronted by uh, Harry Furness, who's on corner or trumpet for the, for the performance, and a group that's built around them, playing sort of like funk-slash-fusion jazz oh. improv. Um, it's excellent. Lots of, like, post-punky, like, scuzzy, shoegazy, like, um, dub guitar stuff going on as well. Um Lots of, like, Bristol as a city has a... I, I don't know how much you know about its music history. Like, some what, some of the things it's most famous for are trip-hop. So, like, Massive Attack and Portishead are both, like, Bristol native groups. Okay. Uh, and a massive historic dub scene. Um, uh, like, just uh, Jamaican Caribbean music in general is just, like, super, super strong here. Which means that that sound is just, like, all the way through. Like, you go into a, a pub, and some pubs are just, like, they're reggae pubs. And they'll be playing re- reggae and dub. Dub stuff is like shot through all the dance music styles because it means that drum and bass and dubstep are like the two dance music styles that are like really, really like strong and endemic. Um, <laughs> endemic like a disease because that's <laughs> how I feel drum and bass is. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, like um, just like wild, uh, spooly, slightly psyche, um, like funky free jazz. Incredible gig. And just like that's a thing with like. Uh, a, a seven or eight quick cover charge less even it was a six quick cover charge um, and the most like chilled out vibe um, and then but there's one of the supporting acts was like the most post anything post punk band that I've ever seen they're like mm-hmm. the I'm trying to remember what they're called they had a fun name and I found them on Instagram and I cannot remember them for the life of me what I remember is there are a bunch of uh, New Zealanders who are now in Bristol they were exceptionally good. Just like nerdy, time signature changey, like excellent, um, thrashy, screamy in positive ways. Hell and yeah. Just, those two things back to back were just like completely like, but like strange. Um, because it was a nominally a jazz gig, it was seated. <laughs> and then a, like a hardcore slash post <laughs> gets up. And like, yeah, that was, a, that was a vibe. So there was a lot of head banging while seated. That was a, that was a fun experience. But I bring this up, that's like a random thing a friend told me about that I just sort of wandered over to and like paid them back for because they'd already bought a ticket. Um, Like this is the sort of thing that I'm just like encountering every couple of weeks. And it's blown my mind. Um, (laughs) 
it, it, it flows straight onto the second point I wanted to make is that like Bristol's venues are just like more hospitable and nicer and cooler places to be than London's. London is a massive, oh, massive that's city. Good. London is a huge city, which would like you can obviously navigate because the public transport is good enough. But it means the distances between stuff are big. And when events happen, they have to happen at a scale that is just like overwhelming. And I've been to gigs in London the last while that are just like, they are, they swamp certain acts or they just like mean that you can have a good experience, but like you're going to have it in the sort of like slightly uncomfortable, slightly like, I hope everyone keeps wearing their masks. Um, right. Like, closely packed thing. Like, it's not like Bristol doesn't have those kinds of venues. I've seen bands which will absolutely pack a room, but like fundamentally, like stuff is happening at a more manageable, smaller and more intimate scale and also closer. Um, I've moved to a place where like my favorite, one of my favorite venues is literally directly across the road from me. Like I walk out the front of the apartment building, cross the road and there it is, um, which is wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, and I'm enjoying it so, so much. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm slowly falling in love with like just going to a random gig a week if I can. That's like, a, it's a nonsense thing to say given I'm so used to like gigs being a thing I have to plan around, uh, have to plan mm-hmm. a day around, plan, have to plan transport around. And now just like every venue I could possibly want is a 10 to 15 minute walk away at most, sometimes much closer. And it's making a, th- a thing that I can just like, when when you read about like what a scene is, suddenly like achieving a scene suddenly feels achievable. Um, like it's legit, like plausible that you could like get to know the people at the bar, get to know the people on stage, chat with them afterwards, right. buy, buy some of their merch, like figure out what they're up to, figure out when the next gig is, and it's only like in a different pub back room in two weeks' time. Like the whole thing feels accessible and like direct and intimate in a way that like i just wasn't ready for and i'm super excited by super super that's awesome um yeah i mean like i've never been um a person who like goes to a ton of local music but it is just very exciting to like finally be back to a place where like i was i was talking to Nora. i was like i used to go see like one or two concerts a year and to at least be back to that, you know, I'm going to go yeah. see um, Ezra Furman and Bar- Brandy Carlisle this year. Oh, hell yeah. Um, that's a, that's a uh, good, good two picks. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm, when are we going to go see Ezra Furman? I should ask Nia about that. She'll know. Um, what was I going to say? I had a thought spitting out of that and I have totally lost it now. Probably going to see her when she plays. Thanks, babe. Um, here all week. Try the veal. Try the fish. <laughs> try the whatever else is on the menu. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think that like, um, I had I had something else that was spinning out of what we were talking about, and I've lost it now. But I did have something unrelated to say. Um, so I might just say that if you're <laughs> by all means. The, um, this is, I guess, rewinding a little bit in the conversation, um, but, like, you were talking about having, like, a space in your life for music, and I, I still, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, I think a lot about how, um, I listened to music more 
when I had my iPod Classic, which was the device that was in my pocket that was for listening to music and wasn't yeah. really for anything else, you know? I mean, um, give, give it credit. The, the brick, uh, brick breaker on the iPod, Cla- iPod Classic was a powerful, powerful <laughs> I played a lot of solitaire while listening to music yes. on the iPod Classic. Yes. <laughs> now, I, I, I reached my solitaire stage of life later. Like, I was like... 1920 mm. when i like hit my solitaire in there i i have so many vivid memories of like going to libraries and while well, i was at uni and then like taking an absurdly long bathroom break just sitting on the toilet playing solitaire like yep yep yeah um i realized um i think last week two weeks ago that like slay the spire has just taken that spot in my life where i uh-huh. play slay the spire the same way that other people play solitaire yeah 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 <laughs> um but um and i was i was thinking about this like a little bit again i i've ta- i've definitely talked about it before because on the one hand um it is tempting to spend like $200 on um getting a new like dedicated mp3 player i think that would be a like good investment that would make me happy mm-hmm. um i also was just thinking idly about like i think I think it was my friend Jen. Um, she recently like just refurbished her iPod Classic. I think that was her. Um, someone on my timeline was just like, "Oh yeah, I just fixed my iPod Classic so it works again." <laughs> and Bruh. I was like, "Shit, you can do that?" <laughs> no, surely, surely we aren't all sitting with like the best, most functional device in our lives, just like sitting heartbroken in a drawer. Like that can't be true. Like. I thought I, the thing that failed on mine was the solid state. Like, thought that was the issue. I definitely have mine somewhere. And because I definitely, like, every time I move, including this most recent time, I look at the iPod Classic. I look at the Game Boy Advance. I look at a couple other, like, devices that I will never use again in my life. And I'm like, no, I'm bringing these with me. These are important to me. The iPod Classic in particular is like, I am never going to, like, get rid of that because it was important to me um and it simply did not cross my mind that i could just make that thing work again (laughs) (laughs) that it is just a piece of hardware and that even if apple is not supporting it there are people out there on the internet who probably would you know yeah god i i'm thinking about all the many like diy youtube videos that like make it seem so easy but because they're both like you know experts and also have their full like soldering setup like yeah you know that's the thing they do but also like, the, the minimal amount of work to like change a broken capacitor or change a headphone jack internals like uh-huh yeah yeah Tra- honestly tracking down something that can fit into that charging port that they don't support anymore oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I I think the issue on mine was the battery. So if I could get a battery that lasts in there, and then I could just find a way to charge it, I'd probably be fine. Unless new issues have cropped up in the seven years since I used it last. You know, they, yeah, <laughs> they are uh, sitting in a drawer is like simultaneously probably not the best, but probably also not the worst thing to have to have it had done. Yeah. Um. Or, or or maybe at some point, uh, 
I spend two hundred dollars getting myself just a dedicated like MP3 player device. Um, yeah. If you in the audience, if you in the audience live that life of having just a a, a device that you use for that, um, and you just keep it in your pocket. Let me know, because I would love to... A lot of the reviews for these sorts of things are oriented toward, like, audiophiles who are fine spending $1,600 on this. I'm not that person, so... No. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, like, they all seem in terms of just, like, raw basic capa uh, like capacity, hardware, sty uh, hardware style, and, like, you know... All of these things seem to have regressed since the age of the iPod Classic. I don't know if that's just because the market isn't there, or if there's some other, like set of features like the i don't know the the dac soft stuff like the actual music hardware it's like yeah. way better on this stuff because it's marked to audio files exclusively but like surely like 120 gigs of solid state storage shouldn't be that hard to come by surely no no it feels like it feels like that should only have gotten easier <laughs> and yet and yet and yet oh. um so um but yeah, I think just in general, I need to be a little less precious about my music listening. I think also, like, you know, um, I think I've been in a weird space lately where, like, um, some of the, like, not feeling passionate about music is like, oh, I have to, like, listen to music and I have to do a good job of listening to it so then I can come on Hot Singles and, like, say something about it. And I think I would be well served from, like, just listening to an album and then being like, oh, that was mid. I'm not going to listen to it again. Or, yeah. oh, that was surprisingly good. And just like putting things on and not not worrying too much about what exactly I am listening to, you know. No, and no. just like makes saving sense. it if I like it. <laughs> yeah, good. Is there like anything at all that like crops up in your mind as like stuff that you're into or looking out for? Or is it just like you'll get back in there eventually you haven't, you're not there oh. yet? I'll get back in there eventually. I, everything that I've heard lately that I've liked, I listen to so much music at fucking Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which means that once or twice a day, I'm like, oh, Starbucks is like sponsoring some country artist that I haven't heard. And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of like this. But, um, uh, or like, I've been watching Berserk and I'm like, Oh yeah, '90s punk music. That was a thing that I liked as a teen. I could get back into that, but yes. um, that's about as far as it's gone. You know. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, I'm just Jawbreaker. <laughs> Jawbreaker. I miss Jawbreaker. Um. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything for me at that? Like, there's a new Big Thief album. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's as good. I think it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. uh, one of the most pleasant albums that I've heard in the last little while is the new Vegan, pro vegan Project V-E-G-Y-N um, it's like how many tracks long is it? It's a stupid number of tracks long um, 69 love songs it is nah, it beats that, it is 75 tracks long LMAO um, yeah, uh, it is literally just like lo-fi house slash hip-hop beats to to be marginally more uh aesthetically respectable to hell yeah <laughs> uh later that year he released his debut studio album featuring guest appearances from jpeg 
JPEG Mafia, Retro X, Jesse, and Freddie Gibbs. I'll check that out. Sure. Yeah. It, even if I feel nothing about vegan, I always feel something about Freddie Gibbs and JPEG Mafia. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like the last bunch of stuff that vegan's done is cool and interesting, and this one is just like the most excellent, tasteful background music you could possibly hope for. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, if sometimes it might even be more than that, but also there are seventy five tracks, so don't hold me to that. Um, <laughs> uh, is there anything else I need to shout? I've been listening to a lot of uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra because I have been, and there's a cool thing you can do. You can listen to Yellow Magic Orchestra. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, I'm I'm only familiar with the Electric Light Orchestra. So okay, so I can just tell you who they are then. So you know the name Ryuichi Sakamoto. I assume you do. Yes, yes. So, um, famous for uh, homoeroticism with David Bowie and many other things besides. But um, <laughs> his what well, he was one of the members of a band called Yellow Magic Orchestra. They are sort of like. In Europe, we had Kraftwerk. In Japan, they had Yellow Magic Orchestra. Ah. Three of the like most important musicians of the like seventies and late seventies, eighties, and onwards in Japan: uh, Rishi Sakamoto, uh, Yukihiro Takahashi, and Harumi Hosono. Um, all of them have incredible discographies in their own right. Um, mm-hmm. But their stuff is like exactly in that Kraftwerk vein of like how, the first wave of mass popularizing entirely electronic music. I say entirely, like there's a, well, they're, they're all incredible instrumentalists in their own right, but um, the, the core of the sound is electronic in a way that just most of the other stuff isn't. All of their right. stuff's excellent. Um, Solid State Survive is the like OG album. Possibly my favorite is Naughty Boys, which is one of the most like strange and interesting bits of like straight synth pop um, that like they'd like had to like become slightly less weird to make it, but also hmm. them being less weird is actively very interesting um right yeah um really really good band um and everyone should know about them because they're pretty fucking foundational um and yeah the other the the, the other album that i can see from my last fm i played a shed load is the one that i wanted to talk about on the next hot singles which is the hikaru Utada album so i will save that for then oh that did <clears throat> I, my my brain went through some like various loops um to get here the the last time i remember like really really just like oh my god music this is the best um was just like standing outside in like the middle of december it was snowing uh i I was getting high as shit and listening to random access memories i'm just here to say that random access memories is good (laughs) (laughs) especially when you are standing outside getting high as shit yeah, I mean, me and Boo did the like um, random access memories memories chat and got our like feelings out about that record. Like, I'm still so confounded by it. It's for a record that sounds as like perfect and unobjectionable as it does. I find so many things to object about it, probably more than I should. But yeah, that was um, you know now that I think about it, like I should have tugged at that a little more because when I when I was listening to that. Um, I found myself, like, one of my favorite things to do with music, this is, like, part of why I love, like, rap music so much, is that you can go and listen to a song, and then you can go listen to the song that it's sampled, and you can sort of, like, see the direct lineage. Mm-hmm. And and 
when I was last listening to Random Access Memories, I was like, oh, I don't know anything about Sheik other than, like, you know, no. Freak Out. <laughs> like, I, 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 I know some of the big hits, but I don't know anything about, like, Sheik. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, shit, I could just go listen to that. And I started to tuck on that, and I wish I had, like, pulled on it more, because I remember that same day being like, oh, here's all these other, like, you know, disco, funk, like, all these artists of the 70s. It's like, that's all music that I like and like listening to but don't ever like dive too deeply into yeah um and i i i had one day where like that was like hitting me where i was just like i'm gonna listen to this artist and then i'm gonna go listen to the artist that that person likes then i'm gonna go listen to the artist that that person likes and i feel like if i could just like stay in that mode for like three days i would just be like oh right i love music (laughs) yeah entirely yeah so the first that i had a little while ago is watching a big sort of you know those you know those like youtube video essays but like this was one was done by like a british person with a minimal editing skill and a, a nice snarky sense of humor it was about the track i do you know the original that was actually a good question to ask because i i have the assumption that because it was on like mtv in europe so extensively mm. that american friends would know about it but that's probably not actually true so what's the track it is eric prids's cool on me um, I will send. Um, I will send you the video because the video is an important part of the like story of this 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 piece of music. Do it. Do we want to watch this together just to see if I remember it, or do you just want me to click play to see if I remember? It's it? it's three minutes. We can watch it together because I think I want your live reaction. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, three, two, one, go. I've seen this ass somewhere before. I feel like. <laughs> Okay, I know this. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I don't know that this is like... I don't know that like everybody in the United States knows this song, but I know this song. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm sure there's a version of both, like... There is a version where, like, this is the sort of thing we'd be playing at a student uh, student party when they're trying to, like, cause nostalgia bombs on people who were students in the, like, late 2010s and early 2020s. Like, um, yeah, a famous video for obvious reasons. Lots of vagina bones. Um, oh, so many vagina bones. <laughs> the thing that it got me listening to is, like, I had no idea who Steve Winwood is. And this is the guy that sampled. Oh, Yeah. I don't, didn't know this track whatsoever, nor did I know anything about Steve Winwood, and I just got listening to like soft rock from the mid '80s again because that's always the thing I like doing. Like, that's so funny because Steve Winwood to me is like, oh, that's that guy that my mom and stepdad like. Ah, he's born. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so I mean, this but, is the, this is the bit of me that like really wants to to like like find something intense, intensely lovable about like Bruce Hornsby is also finding something intensely well, lovable about Steve Winwood. Yeah. You, well, yeah, that's the thing is that I see, I see Steve Winwood and I'm like, Oh, that's boring soft rock that my parents like, but also as I was saying it, I was like, I can't actually do that anymore. Cause I got really into Michael McDonald for a while. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, fucking, I fucking, I'm I still, still into Michael McDonald. No, exactly. Like, I have a 12-inch, like, full-length, like, seven-minute edit of um, What a Fool Believes, and I will pull that out and DJ with it 
all the time because it Man, is a seven minutes of what a fool believes that's I, that's a goddamn blessing uh i want to see uh, I, i'm sure it's going to be on discord somewhere but it's it's one of the like uh like long original edits and it's on 12 inch the original is oh i mean the original is five minutes 30 anyway so like i'm sure right and that's probably the one that i've got in that case but yeah it is a full 12 inch single with the full version of it and it's it's a joy. It's a absolute absolute pleasure. And yes, I am frequently thinking about the Nilsa Sierra edit of it, but like that's fine. Not everyone actually knows it. I uh, I I can have that as a running joke in my head. While everyone just gets to listen to a fucking gorgeous piece of music. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the 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 reason I bring up this like both YouTube video essay with a very fun story about the the the, the several times this track call on me got stolen um it was originally a what um uh what's his fucking name dj falcon and thomas uh uh bangelta track like half of daft punk plus dj falcon who's like paris like french house like uh icon this was like pre-daft punk stuff this was a dj falcon sample edit that they use as a live tool that Mm -hmm. um effectively eric prid stole um (laughs) Oh, shit. But there's a sort of, like, long chain of who stole from who and how much for it to end up with an actual release. Um, which huh. was, like, it was, it was a fun story. Um, and I got to listen to a bunch of very, very bad rip-off edits from, like, 2002 of Good French House. That's a, a, a nice little sideline. But, yeah, also, um, you get to listen to Valerie, which is a good track. Yeah. Um, are there... I I have just been like I have been watching anime YouTube channels a little bit. I oh. find all of them objectionable because they're all run by like men in their 30s who only watch shonen um uh which I just think that you could have them you could have you could just love yourself more and just watch more than just shonen. I don't even think you need to love shojo. I just think that you could like do yourself a fucking favor and like watch something other than mob psycho 100 um (laughs) anyway i all that to say are there good like music youtube channels that you know of Ooh, like the answer is frankly no um i see them in my algorithm but like i all the videos i click i'm like "Eh, this sucks yeah so (laughs) most of the people who are like people who talk at a camera about music all suck um Mm -hmm. they flip between the Fantano core and Mew core and also the like very studious classic rockish critic stuff. God, Neither of which I are, didn't even consider that. Yeah, like there are a bunch of people who are like trying to do the twenty something reinvent Robert Criscow. It's not a fun act. Um oh. <laughs> speaking of people who should just love themselves more <laughs> Speaking of speaking of people who should do themselves a service and stop caring about shonen bullshit. Wow. <laughs> but yes, um, like the bit of music YouTube that I genuinely enjoy is production YouTube. Obviously, that's the bit I care about, but it's also the bit that's like a far, far less self-serious. Like, I don't know if it will mean anything to people, but one of my favorite, favorite YouTube channels is by Ned Rush. Uh Ned Rush is a pun on famous drum and bass producer Ed Rush. 
but I, I don't know whether this person's actual name is Ned Rush. Maybe it is. But when I saw it, I just f- fully assumed that this was a, a pun and nothing else. I've seen nothing to disabuse me of that thought. Um, but <laughs> it, it's just like the most excellently playful and self-deprecating and like fun way of doing music production content. Um, I'm obviously not going to land with everyone because like sometimes people know nothing and do not care about music production. But often the gear is like really, really expensive and alienating because like you don't know how any of this works. But like as a person who spent most, well, more than a decade, like staring at different kinds of DAWs and type of synths, like this is the, this is both my comfort zone. And it's also very, very rewarding to see someone be so just like unabashedly playful with it. Um, but like, this is rare. This is genuinely rare. Finding nice people doing nice things with music gear. Um, most of the time it's so self-serious. It's just depressing. You know, this honestly reminds me of like a lot of the YouTube that I actually enjoy. I watch a lot of YouTube. The only YouTube like area that I actually enjoy when I watch is often like cooking YouTube because it is so much about like the process of making a thing. Yeah. I, I could see myself enjoying this on like a similar level, even if like I watch a lot of like recipe videos for recipes I'm not going to make because I enjoy watching someone else make it. And Maybe I will make those things. Yeah. Um, I'm probably yeah. not going to, you know, at the age of 26, start learning how to make music. But um, no, no, it would be fun to, like, just peek into that world. Uh, speaking of people who need to love themselves and be on their show and bullshit a bit less, you've just got me to remember to unsubscribe to Joshua Weissman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like hate watching him for a while, but yeah. even that has like lost its luster. It's just boring. I just find his, I find his, like, uh, clout chasing just insipid and, It's, it's um, miserable. He's a soulless. miserable creator. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's just, like, it is simply not fun to watch creators do the things that they know are going to make them successful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, I guess good for him, like he's gotten to a place that he can do this as a full-time job but it is so totally like devoid of joy or meaning um and and, and i would simply rather watch someone be less successful doing something they like yeah exactly um, i i find um adam ragusi adam ragusi's cooking videos i find him to be a little insufferable and he's definitely like playing the youtube game a bit but I, I kind of believe that he actually likes doing this a bit more, yeah. and so I still watch his, whereas I don't watch Joshua Weissman. Um, the, the one that is just, like, exceptionally wholesome that I've fallen in love with is Helen Rennie. Have you encountered Oh, her? I don't know her. I will link you. Um, she's just a delight. Like, uh, Russian-American, but has, a, like, a strong Boston accent um, to, like, that, like, pokes through the Russian. Um Ooh. Um, she makes like very trad stuff really well. Um, oh, she, that's what I need in my life. Yeah, it's, it, it, she's just like, uh, <laughs> uh, she's just like so chill and so professional and so not into doing anything extravagant. She just makes you know very straightforward stuff and very trad stuff really well and talks through it in this very delicate and very passionate and very careful and lighthearted way. Um, in that kind of tone of voice where like she's clearly not uh, like internalized norms about shouting to be causing excitement in YouTube videos 
Um, it's a delight. This is, it's just the uh, best. This is also why I have enjoyed... Um, I have always liked uh, Kenji Lopez Alts. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I've always enjoyed his work. Like, as long as I have been cooking um, and using recipes from the internet, I have always enjoyed his work. Um, I recently finally bought the food lab so i just have this book rather than like yeah, 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 yeah. trying to find the recipes online every time i fucking need them uh but his youtube presence in the past year or two um is just like i guess it started around the same time the pandemic did god uh <laughs> he just straps a gopro to his head yeah and just like it's not like oh i'm gonna show you how to make the best, uh, uh, you know, uh, pate. I, I am looking at Helen Rennie's channel right now. I'm not, he's not, I'm going to show you the best eggs Benedict. He's like, well, I was just making eggs Benedict for me and my kid. And I was just like, oh, what if I filmed it? You know? And then he talks about like, you know, I think this would make better, uh, eggs Benedict, but, uh, I didn't have that ingredient today. So we're doing this instead. Or, oh, you know, it's just very like, I don't really watch ASMR, but it's like the I I feel like that those videos give me the same like uh-huh. so, thing that other people get from ASMR. <laughs> so so the, there's part of the thing that I like about him is he's simultaneously like incredibly like professional and also like frantic. Like he works at a pace that I could only dream of moving around a kitchen. I know. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, this is part of why I struggle with cooking so much is that like I am at like permanently full max concentration. Like getting to this level of autopilot is just like a, a dream. Um, I, I, something I could only dream I, of. Yeah. I have been cooking for most of my life. Um, and, and the like casualness with which he cooks still kind of astounds me because like it, if I try to do that, I end up stressing myself out more. I very much need to like lay out everything yep. like d- double check that I know what I'm doing before I start. Uh, and, and yeah, he's also been doing this most of his life, uh, but he's done this professionally for most of his life. And so he's even better at it than I am. Yeah. Uh, so the thing I will say like to recommend Helen Rennie is that not only has she done like collabs in uh, AMAs with Kenji Love is all, um, mm-hmm. but also she has the same kind of like gentleness and like casual care. And also, like, finding, like, that, like, oh, you're meant to do it this way, but I don't have that, so I'm taking this shortcut. But she does it... <laughs> um, but she does that while also, like, talking incredibly quietly and sedately and it all being, like, very, very, like, relaxed and planned and very, like, pretty um, in a way that is, like, very domestic and very lovely. A different kind of domesticity to the, to the like, strap a, strap a headband... Well, strap a headband on and a GoPro on and, like watch while you mm-hmm. make i don't know fake chinese takeout um yeah which is a video that i tried to copy several times and have not managed to master yeah that's another thing is that like um a lot of other i used to watch a lot of babish cooking youtubes mm-hmm. or babish recipes babish uh has trended toward making food that i just do not want to make whereas like yeah. kenji lopez alt is like oh i am making a dish that has noodles in it that's going to take me 15 minutes because I wanted noodles today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is also how I cook a lot of the time, where I think to myself, I would like to eat some noodles, please. <laughs> so the, the, I, one, the one recipe that absolutely did, na- like, he did nail that for me is the beef and broccoli stuff, right? Which is just, like, 
I would like protein mm. and I would like vegetables and I would like them fast and I would like them warm. Uh, how can I make yes. that happen? Um, yes. It's, that's a goatee for me now, um, which I'm very, very appreciative <laughs> for the, for the, for the, for the, the GoPro head strap video version of. It's very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, shit. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to like make sure we hit before we uh, like bounced and got ready for like mm-hmm. hot singles as normal service is regimed in a week or however yeah. long time. James Harden is a Philadelphia 76er now. Uh... <laughs> I knew I'd get that noise out of you. Um, where are you? Where are you? You don't even need to have watched the, the games that, that much even to like have feelings. Like how, how are your feelings? How are they treating you? Um, so I, I, um, I was thinking this week because I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to have been old episodes of abnormal mapping and one, I'm running out of those. And two, um, I'm like totally caught up with like the, 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 the part of old episode abnormal mappings, uh, that I'm at is like fully in the, I am friends with Emin Jackson era. I am in the, like. I have a group chat with Emin Jackson and I'm like just chatting with them like the day before they record this episode. And so I remember everything they said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's, uh, I've been wanting to, to mix up my podcast game and I'm like, Oh, I should get back to like listening to maybe some like athletic basketball podcasts. Cause I liked those. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and I, I haven't really, I haven't followed the season at all. I know a lot of the, the major storylines, like, you know, obviously they traded Ben Simmons and James Harden. Um, I know that the Lakers have been awful. <laughs> yep, they have been that. I am sorry, I know you're a Westbrook fan, but he has been tragic. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, like, I am a 2017 Westbrook fan, and I... I, I you're allowed to, like, I'm not fine be... With the, yeah. yeah, I'm fine with the fact that I was just wrong to defend him for as long as I was. I maybe was wrong to defend him then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I'll make, I, think, I don't know if I mentioned this to you specifically before, but, like, basketball podcast that is just, like, f- made me fall in love with basketball podcasts again. Uh, hmm. The Dunker Spot. Um, Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones, who are both incredible, both, like, kind of X's and O's and in good in a good way, it's like nerdy in good ways, but also just like funny and casual and like snappy and just good at talking to each other in a way that like no one okay. else is like. This this is good to know because I I um I follow uh, Nikias on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, because I think he does good tweets, but also he tweets too much and he, sometimes it's a little annoying. He tweets quite a lot. Um <laughs> But just like, for example, just like imagine that being counterbalanced by like Steve Jones, uh, 20, who will, who is a former coach in the league um, and will just like produce threads that look like I will find an example here. Um, Oh, that's a single tweet, not a thread. Um, Usually he threads them really well. Yeah. Um, Just an example. He will sit down and watch a basketball game and then tweet threads like this which will just be like five to ten second video clips of a thing that the thing plus the thing he's noticed about it and he will do like seven for a game and just like Mm -hmm. this has been by like far and away the most educative twitter content about basketball that i've had like ever no question um okay 
uh, like that counterbalance with like takey but smart takey and they just also have a really good rapport um so like it's also just like the bits that they have are funny the bits that they have are genuinely funny in a way that doesn't scream you know like athletic journalist in a way that like sometimes is right. funny, sometimes is deeply grating i cannot recommend yeah. the dunker spot highly enough it is on it in ways that i care about and also just like fun in all the ways that i could possibly want um yeah maybe what i'll do is i'll follow steve jones I'll unfollow Nikias's tweets and um, I'll just subscribe to this podcast because yeah. I feel like that's going to get me to the right balance of like Them basketball stuff in my life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Um, um, it, what was it, I going to say? I just find it very cute still that the only person I know on the entire planet that uses LMBO sincerely is the very, very good boy who is Nikias yes. Duncan. <laughs> um, but like... To, 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 to keep you up on, like, I did not know um, where the season was at. There's one, I did not know the Heat were at the top of the Eastern Conference. I did not know that they were ahead by three games. Yeah. Um, uh, I knew that the Bucks and the Sixers were playing very well. Um, I knew that the Celtics were, and the Bulls were doing better than expected. Mm-hmm. I did not know the the Nets were currently at eight. Yeah, Nets were playing team. <laughs> uh, this is the same Nets team that has also had Kyrie Irving go for fifty and sixty in back to back games. Yes. Um, <laughs> See, that's what that's the last Nets thing I heard was yeah. that Kyrie, Kyrie dropped Kyrie sixty. Yeah, and I was like, oh, so the Nets must be like in a pretty good spot. No, <laughs> they're a playing team. <laughs> yeah. Um, going to the Western Conference, I knew the Suns were good. I did not know that they had secured the one seed. Nah, Suns are, <laughs> Suns are a fucking buzzsaw. Um, yeah. <laughs> I knew the Grizzlies were good. I didn't know that they were in the number two spot. I, I assumed that the Warriors or the Jazz were there. No, so. Jazz are worse than they were last season. They were bad without Gobert, and they haven't really hit the same heights, especially because Joe Ingles got really badly injured. They could trade it up, trade it off his contract. Warriors are going to stay in the third seed because they're a better team than anyone below them, but Steph is injured now and probably will only be coming back right at the end of the regular season and for the playoffs. So that's a bit dicey, yeah. and they're not going to like charge up and beat the Grizzlies team, who are just good. They're just good. Um, John Moran is like first or second NBA, or all NBA team good. Like, like straight up. Like It's a fight between like Chris Paul, who's lead, like in my head at least. It's a fight between Chris Paul, who is the like probably best player on the best team in the league and John Moran mm-hmm. for like the other all NBA first team guard spot with Steph. Like it's, it's really surprising that like, so obviously like Chris Paul, um, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not surprising that he's the best player on the best team in the league. I guess what's surprising is that like Devin Booker isn't. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, like, that, like this at is Chris not a, Paul's age and at Devin Booker's age. Yeah, like this isn't to discredit how good Devin Booker is, because like you could split hairs. I could hear arguments that Devin Booker is the best player on that team, which is entirely okay. legit. Um, I just think that Chris Paul, like he's been injured for more of the season, that probably like demerits him as well. Like they've been very good without him. That's a good indication that like this mm-hmm. team is pretty robust. But. Eh, I think more important, more crucial to them being a resilient playoff team is probably Chris Paul. I don't know, though. It could be argued other ways. Um, that said, like, there is a, a tranche of plays that I think 
you know, like Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, um, uh, uh, Devin Booker. And then I struggle to think about what the balance of this, but I'll add in Jason Tatum, Trey Young, and um, uh, John Moran, who are all like, could be superstars. And they're on like precipice of like genuine stardom, but like we kind of got to have the moment. Like Giannis had the moment. Mm. He is like unquestionably right. top three player like in the league right now. Um, like, mm-hmm. You could have a very good like shootout argument. Like who is better at basketball, KD or Giannis? And you'd have to decide between them as one and two in the league right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and like you're not having those arguments about like Jason Tatum yet, but. We're waiting for a moment where that becomes plausible. Like, is Jason Tatum better than Kawhi Leonard could be a fight next season? That's a legit, like, thing that I'm has, talking about. Um, the, has the, Kawhi played? No, he's still out. He's still out. Paul okay. George is also... That's what I thought. I just... Yeah. Paul George is also still out. It sounds like neither of them are going to come back this season because there's just not much to play for when they're, like, pushing for an eighth seed to go get, like, rammed into right. a very, very brutal Suns team. Yeah. Um... Kawhi has had such a weird career. Wacky. Just incredibly wacky. <laughs> Kawhi might have the weirdest career for the blessed, like, the, the the weirdest career to the best player ratio. Yeah, you abso- know? absolutely. Um, t- oh, I don't know. Just, like, how many exceptional players capable of being, like, the, the linchpin of a title team force their way out of where they are for reasons that aren't, like, joining up with another superstar? Like... LeBron, I, <laughs> LeBron did it to make a big three to go win a title. Kawhi did it because they were like mismanaging his injury in a way he didn't appreciate and just like decided he wanted to be elsewhere. Well, I was gonna say Hakeem, but Hakeem uh, became a like you know Finals MVP after he tried to force his way out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is well the maybe the second weirdest career. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, all but one on the same team. Like, yes, it's weird that in terms of the like the you know, the the the, the sticky situations he got himself into. But fundamentally, like he said on the same team, like he wasn't getting traded yeah. to like a mid table, uh, like a um, a mid table side, like a, a you know. <laughs> there's there's strange, and then there's Kawhi literally just ending up on a team that he manages to un- unexpectedly drag to a title, like. Yeah, the, the, the likelihood he's never going to play more than 50, 60 games in a season ever again. Just like he needs to manage his his, his injuries like that, mm-hmm. and that's fine because like there's still a possibility he could he could be uh, the best player in an entire like playoff bracket. Like it's just entirely plausible. Uh, on a related note, um, I okay, so like LeBron James is 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 forty seven years old or whatever. Uh huh. I. I understand that. Uh, I understand that, like, the team has been a little mismanaged and the roster construction's a little weird and... and, and a touch. They, 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 they never quite found their identity after they, like, messed up all the pieces around the championship squad, you know? Yep. I understand that. Uh, what I don't understand... Is why a team that has Anthony Davis as a nine is a is a is a, is a uh, play in game team. Uh-huh. I don't understand that. So, what? So the answer is what the is last, going on yeah. with Anthony Davis? So the last AD you'd like remember remember is probably like bubble Anthony Davis, right? Like yeah, dropping. And I knew, 
I knew he was kind of in and out with injuries, and I know that's been a thing his whole career. Mm-hmm. You know. So, uh, two things. Uh, firstly, Bubble Anthony Davis was, as you were rightly observing then, I remember very clearly us talking about this. He was like dropping, d- draining pick and ro- uh, pick and pop threes like there, there was nothing. He was shooting the fucking lights out. Mm-hmm. He cannot hit a jumper to save his life. I think he's probably, if I remember other people talking about this on podcast correctly, he's the least efficient volume jump shooter in the league right now. Um, Fuck off! Yeah, Anthony Davis. Yeah, um, <laughs> Anthony Davis. Uh, Fuck off! <laughs> let, let me go find some basketball reference. Fuck <laughs> off! Listen, I, I've, I've brought up my grudge against Anthony Davis for the 2012 NCAA tournament uh, many times <laughs> before. Um, yeah. It's... He can't, like, crush my heart and soul like that. And then, like, 10 years later, he's not even 10 years into his career, like, just become bad at jump shooting. Fuck off. You're supposed to be the best player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be, like, he has the skill set of Jokic, just not as good at passing. Like, <laughs> he he is a five who can play the one, but like, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. He is currently shooting, uh, eighteen uh, percent from three. Surely that can't be right. Eighteen percent, <laughs> dude. Russell Westbrook <laughs> shoots better than 18% from three. I, I'm looking at this and I'm like convinced this can't be true because he was 34, 33, 33, dipped to 26 last season while he was injury addled. He's shooting 18% from three on way fewer attempts. Like this is the thing that has happened. This is the thing that has happened. Um, the thing that's confusing me is his effective field goal percentage isn't super low, but I'm guessing that means it's like all he's doing is dunking at the rim now. Um, I think he's just a less efficient player. But Russell Westbrook this season is shooting 29% from three. That's bad, but it's also not a D-back. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, one, Westbrook needs to shoot better from three. Has needed to shoot better from three for years now. Yes. But um, that's not, like, his job in the way that, like, uh, the thing that I remember saying was that, like, every time Anthony Davis sinks a three, it feels like he's cheating. Yeah. It feels like they shouldn't allow him to do that. And, like, yeah, you could, you, you would just win championships if you were his height and his strength and shot 35% from three. Yeah, exactly. Um, unfortunately, he is not that player anymore. Like, he's not the player draining like 38% from three while also being a very good defender. Secretly, I think the other thing is like his injuries have like really, really damaged him on defense. Like I think he's just a significantly worse defender than he was as, um, as pre-injury. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's not good. So, I mean, this is kind of the thing, like you said exactly, like they mismanaged the team to like get rid of all the useful defensive pieces around him, like Caruso, um, KCP, Mm -hmm. um, like none of the, the really good, like fourth and fifth bananas from the title team are still there. And they're all like being, being replaced by much worse defenders. Like that might be survivable if you had like the best backline shot blocking like cleanup guy in the league 
and they just don't right now. He's not nearly as good as like all the plays he was being comped to previously. Like you would genuinely like uh, Giannis and Draymond are like uh, in several tiers advanced from him. But like yeah, the Memphis- I'm just I'm just gonna go- I'm just gonna look up what's Giannis's percentage from three. Um, I'm sure it's probably half decent right now. He's been actually taking it's some thirty. Yeah, thirty would be exactly. <laughs> it's where better than his career average. Yeah. Um, Giannis truly never ever needs to shoot a three, uh, and he's doing it. Uh, he can, so he might as well. Um, I do appreciate how um, you look at Giannis's basketball reference page and you look at the positions that it says: power forward, small forward, point guard, and shooting guard. <laughs> Just a bit silly. Um, but also, I've seen him play five in playoffs. Yeah, I, I've absolutely. seen it happen. We absolutely. <laughs> I don't think play- he does that in the regular season, but like no. I've I've seen it happen in playoff games. No, absolutely, we've absolutely seen it. Um, but yeah, like example sake. Uh, how do you think the Memphis Grizzlies are winning as a basketball team? Like, if you had to just imagine, like the Memphis. If I told you the Memphis Grizzlies are a two seed, how do you think they're doing it? Like can, uh, can you imagine what the answer is? Uh, let me let me look at their their like who's playing for them right now. Yeah. Um, twenty twenty two Memphis Grizzlies. They've got Jaron Jackson Jr. They've got Stephen Adams, who still somehow playing basketball. Good for him. Uh, Shout out to the John facial Moran. hair. Shout out to the facial hair. Um, I guess my guess would be that like. When you have, when you have John Morant, who is the, I don't, I, I don't full feel one hundred percent confident in saying this, but probably the best like finishing in the paint point guard in the league. Yeah, I would guess. Um, like, you can just like pack the paint in a way that like modern defenses are not fully scheming for because they're expecting you to like play outside a lot yeah. would be my guess uh-huh. was just like crushing people inside in a way that like the game is not played these days <clears throat> you're like remarkably on it because what they have is like mediocre shooting um let me see if i can find where they are in a field goal does steven adams start for them yeah he does he does so th- they have 24th in effective field goal percentage and they are first in offensive rebounding um, that's, wow. that's how they're effectively winning. Um, the flip side of this is similarly that, um, they are exceptional on defense. Well, not, I say exceptional. They are currently the fifth or sixth best defense in the league. Sixth best defense in the league. Um, okay. above them are like four incredible defenses, Boston, Phoenix, Golden State, Miami, and Cleveland who start with three bigs. Um, so like pretty comparable, um, like they are one of the very best defenses in the league because the guy who took a step up is Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Jaron yeah. Ja- uh, Jaron Jackson is like doing... When he was in the draft, I remember this like three years ago, when it, whenever exactly he was in the draft, people were like, if there's any player who could be a Draymond Light, it's Jaron Jackson because he's got those instincts. And the thing mm-hmm. that has always plagued him is like, well, it turns out that playing defense in the, in the NBA is really fucking hard. And the instincts, like, don't quite immediately translate. Secondly, he was physically overmatched and was just fouling all the time. Um, he still fouls a lot, but he is finally turning into, like, the guy who can be that, like, 
AD style, peel off the weak side, shot blocker, um, just like spiking shit into the stands, um, like coming out of nowhere. Um, and it's so fun mm. to watch. I love watching Memphis because you got Jar on one end and Jaron Jackson on the other. Um, and yeah, that means no. that, that, like they can't shoot for shit, really. Um, mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson has been a much better player and he's always got the threat of a shot, but his shooting is much worse than it was a year or two ago. But mm-hmm. they therefore have Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson like smashing people on the offensive glass. Um, and that's how they're winning. Um, um, I was I was just gonna say um, I I don't know that this like merits like discussion because I don't know how much I'm gonna actually care about this. But I was just noticing Cleveland uh, right now is a playoff team, yes. and the Brooklyn Nets are a play-in team. Yes, yes, which yes. is insane. Uh, again, <laughs> do you know how Cleveland are doing it? I told you like what their lineup is, which is bonkers. But yeah. Yeah, like, I guess if you just start three bigs, um, question how's question Kevin Love doing? Kevin Love is so good. Kevin Love is so good. Like, he should be sixth man of the year. He should be sixth man of the year. Um, Weird. Kevin Love is always playing with a center alongside him, but usually it's a center who is mobile enough to guard on the perimeter. And it turns out that Evan Mobley is, like, going to be an all-time great defensive player. I think that's a pretty easy thing to say. Like, there are, there are like, big shoes to fill in terms of the, like, all-time defensive four-slash-five. Like, KG and Duncan are right there, and they'd be, like... Anyone would be terrified to, like, actually try and comp him to that. But I yeah. think the best chance of having a KG-level defender in the league right now is Evan Mobley. Um, eh, yeah, I, I'm just noticed... I don't know Evan Mobley at all. I have not watched Cleveland... Okay. Uh... Since since the like 2018 playoffs, but um, I am just noticing that he is a seven foot tall uh, power forward. So yeah, he's that's a, a good start. He's a power forward <laughs> slash center. He's always got, he's had like some like is he a center? Is he a power forward? We don't really know yet. Um, mm-hmm. The answer is like he can play as power forward specifically because he's got like astonishingly good feet for a for a seven footer and like exceptional court vision and timing to like like I said with Jaron Jackson do that weak side shot blocking. But also just, like, he's on fours and guarding face up and, like, straight up. Like, he can, you know, uh, like, deal with, like, speed disadvantages, or size disadvantages. Like, he can go up against six for eight people who want to take him off the dribble. And he can hang with them. Um, he's just really fucking good. Um, uh, Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen were both all-stars. I thought there was a sneaky case that Evan Mobley should have been an all-star and ahead of one of them. Which is mm. saying a lot, but you know, the, there is a reason that Cleveland are like a, a top ten team with a with an easily winning record, and they're going to hang on to the sixty. Um, I want to ask you a question, but I need to use the restroom, so I'm going to mark this, and I will be back in just a minute. Hello, I am back. Hello. Um, listeners, uh, if my track sounds a little noisier when we have the oven on in our apartment sometimes it kicks on a fan right above the oven uh and nora's just making herself a little lunch so that's on right now uh there's literally nothing i could do about it even if i wanted to so you you could stop uh, your wife just... making lunch but that would be evil and nasty and you're not gonna do that uh, yeah we're, we're all, yeah we're all here for wife autonomy um yeah on hot yeah. cycles we 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 respect wife autonomy. 
anyway, I had a question for you about basketball and a question for you about baseball, actually, now that I think about Ooh. it. Ooh, okay. Hit me. Uh, basketball question. Where's the MVP race at? Like, It's a two-horse race. You might be familiar with the... the mm. Okay, I, I want to find this back at you. If I say it's a two-horse race, based on what you knew about last season, about this season, who do you think the two horses are? Um, I guess it would depend. I don't know if Embiid has missed games. I can, um, I can tell you he hasn't been injured, but he has had COVID. That's his only major absence. Um... You know what? I bet Giannis is back in the race in a way that, like, they were not going to make him, you know, the three-time MVP after, like, two big playoff losses. Yeah, yeah. But I bet after a championship win, um, Giannis is back in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would imagine Jokic is still in there a little by default. Yep. You know, it's it's one of those things where no one ever seems that excited when they talk about Jokic, but also, like, just objectively speaking, he is one of the best players like one of one of the all-time great centers yeah. you know at this point um you've effectively nailed it it is uh, most ballots right now look like Jokic one and bead two Giannis three with it turning kind of into a two-horse race for the actual award okay um at the start of the season I was very very smug because I called my top two being Katie and Steph Steph was mm-hmm. looking like it up until he hit an absolutely un like uncharacteristic uncharacteristic weird shooting slump like shooting like only 37 percent from three or something like that but like patches where he just weird could not hit a shot to save his life um but golden state are still like an absurdly good team with the third most wins in the league like they're still doing mighty fine um and that's a lot on the back of steph's very 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 good play but he's not an mvp candidate because he just isn't as nearly as efficient a scorer as any of the other players in the race uh, right, yeah. Katie just keeps missing time. He had a major injury across the All-Star break. Like, he would be one of the three best players in the league if he played the season, but he just hasn't. Yeah, he'll he'll simply have to settle for finals MVP if it comes to that. <laughs> you know. Oh, dear. I, do, I, don't, I don't know that, that, that Brooklyn's getting a title this year, but I'm just saying that, like... He will simply have to make do with being one of the obviously exceptional players of the uh, of this year, league year. Yeah. And probably a fussy more NBA slot. I think that's fine. Steph and KD, like, crying into their Hall of Fame careers. Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, both of them want titles, and I think Steph's legit, legit, if he's healthy enough, and if the team around them has sorts itself out enough, has a very, very legit shot at a title this year, Um, which I don't think anyone was, like, straight up predicting, but I was confident that this was a team, well, this was a year where the Warriors were genuinely going to sort themselves out, and I feel very vindicated that they have. How's Clay been? Ah! to start with he was just gunning trying to trying to find his range he is mm-hmm. now like a slightly less explosive but very similar player to the one he was before which is to say that like not many pop plays but like consistently mm-hmm. extraordinarily efficient minimal and like unfussy and also surprisingly excellent on defense all the time the the, the thing is that like the Warriors can still win a title with Clay downgraded from second best three point shooter of all time to really good role player. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> almost it's almost nuts how Jordan Poole is one of my favorite players in the league right now. Um, he's had lots of ups and downs. Do you know who he is like as a 
players that feature this Warriors team? Um, I think I've seen some like Twitter clips of him, but I'm I'm not terribly familiar. So yeah, he's I think a third year player now. Uh, I need to look that up. Um, but like, basically, the Warriors finally hit on one of their low first round picks. Yeah, he was the oh nice. He was the twenty eighth pick in two thousand and nineteen. Um, mm-hmm. he is a so like the, the archetype would be like microwave scorer. Um, but. He is able to basically replicate a bunch of the things they do with Steph as a sort of secondary guy who's comfortable running off screens and taking pull-ups off motion, as well as playmaking. And both are things that I don't think anyone legit expected him to do. And he does that with like genuine positional size. Like he's six foot four and a genuinely like solid defending shooting guard. Like not excellent. He will get picked on over time. The thing that Warriors like did in the last couple of weeks that looks so so exciting is go for a three guard lineup. Go for Steph, Jordan Poole, Clay, and mm. no one can defend them. Absolutely, they were shredding teams. Um, like a lot, the lineup was effectively um, Steph, Poole, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond. Um, sometimes they went marginally bigger than that in the four and five spot, but like Wiggins has had an up and down season shooting. He was a, like lights out to start with. He very bad now but like as a role player when there are three excellent creators plus Draymond as well two excellent on-ball creators Draymond is a playmaker and Clay's a, a permanent gravity threat like Wiggins can basically just defend and shoot threes and that's like a very good use of his skill set and they were shredding teams and now Clay uh sorry and now Steph's injured again which is unfortunate but yeah, yeah. um he is one of the coolest players because he's genuinely like walked into a title contending team and become like fourth most important player on it. Which is very cool. Um, MVP race, you, you asked. Um, Jokic is better on defense than anyone could ever have expected. He is a- absolutely crucial to their team because they have like no way of replacing anything he does at all. Um, mm-hmm. So like the on-off numbers for him are like bonkers. Uh, like... It's similar to, like, when Steph had no backup point guard in Golden State, where, like, when he was off the court, they were, like, an entirely different team and were just, like, scrambling to hold on for dear life before he just, like, their star gets back on the court and they can resume normal business. Um, mm-hmm. Like a like a world-beating 10-plus differential team when he's on and, like, a minus 8 or something team when he's off. It's, like, absurd. Christ! Um, Jokic averaging 26 points a game. Yeah, Jesus. The, the secret thing about Jokic is he's like an absurdly efficient scorer as well as a playmaker. And so the question is basically yeah. like... Um, Effective field goal percent, percentage 61. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So I mean like, where's Embiid right now? Uh, uh, like Embiid as a comparable scorer is effective field goal uh, 52.6. Not nearly as high. But yeah, no. Thirty point a game score. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, <laughs> thirty. Thirty. He's averaging thirty. Uh, it's going to be between Joel and Fuck off. <laughs> it's going to be between I think Joel and um, LeBron for who finishes with the scoring title. Um, yeah, it I... currently the scoring title race goes Embiid at thirty, LeBron at twenty nine point eight, Giannis at twenty nine point eight, and then a gap to Luca at twenty eight. It's. It's really funny uh, that LeBron, like, knows that this team is doomed, but he's like, I gotta pass Kareem. <laughs> he's doing the work. He's absolutely doing the work. I gotta pass Kareem, so I'm gonna drop 70 on the magic tonight. 
You've got to do it sometimes. But yeah, um, who is Joel Embiid then? Uh, he has been for the first half of the season the best isolation player in the league. Um, like the most dominant solo scorer in the league. And carrying a fairly mid roster to like a very, very good record. And then post, um, post Harden arriving, he has turned into like play finisher. Um, which is to say that like he's getting, he's definitely getting less post-ups. He's get, get, getting less opportunities to just like mash and score on his own. Which he probably needed, like it was unsustainable him just being that kind of player. But it turns out that like you give him the ball in a pick and roll. Like you just get it to him on the half roll. And he's either going to just like dunk on someone's head. Or he's going to take a mid-range jumper which will go in 60% of the time. Or they'll defend him really well. And he'll attempt to make a pass which he's okay at. Not nearly as good as... as um. Jokic, obviously. <coughs> or, I will try find the, again, Steve Jones clip, because I saw this live, and it was just like, ha, 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 this is absurd, and have kept thinking it's absurd ever since, and I'm glad that I'm backed up on this one. Um, it will just take me a minute to find the tweet, because it is a perfect encapsulation on, like, what <laughs> nut stuff is happening um, now that... Uh, the um now that like hard-earned pick and roll offense is meant to be like part of the staple for this team. It's a it's a stupid play. It's just an absolutely stupid play. Um, this is a game against a, a very, very good Dallas Mavericks team. Just the sentence Joel Embiid screening for Harden is like <laughs> It's bonkers. But yeah, um for the listeners at home, it is a clip of Joel Embiid setting a high screen for um James Harden, um, the Dallas defending it well with uh, with good uh, rotations and help, uh, and be not being able to make a pass and getting stonewalled sort of just inside the free throw line. So he uh, starts dribbling back out to the top of the key with five seconds left on the shot clock. He drains a step back three. <laughs> this is not meant to be a thing you're meant to do. What the fuck? <laughs> pulls it out. Pulls it out. Uh, and I... Shoots over the top of um. <laughs> I cannot imagine in a hundred years that Doc Rivers wrote up a play that involves yeah, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna have Joel Embiid set the pick we're gonna have James Harden roll and then Joel is gonna shoot the step back three yeah, the other way around um... <laughs> fuck off Winning the rebounding battle so far, Ola. 20 to 18. Harden. Then beat on the roll. Doesn't want it. Shot clock at five. Joel up and over Jalen Brunson. This is why I love watching Joel Embiid so much. Because his skill level is absurd. And also, like, not the sort of Jokic brand of, like, utterly fluid and functional that makes it, um, like... Like, just, like, a, a joy to watch a Dallas team, but they're, like, clicking in a very, like, unflashy way. Like, he's just making every obvious pass and, like, hitting every open guy. Whereas with mm. Embiid, he's, like, not that. He is clunky, but extraordinary. Which means he's doing the sort of, like, 90s basketball thing. The same reason it's really fun watching someone like, I don't know, uh, Tracy McGrady. Where, like, they're getting into tough situations. Well, relatively tough situations. And doing extraordinary right. things in them. Um... Uh, which is like, this is Embiid like splitting defenders and powering through them in the post or draining step back threes because the play's broken down and they've been defended well. Like, 
if this was Jokic, she'd like re uh, like pass it off and rescreen and like train another action. But no, 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 no. I have to do something bonkers. <laughs> I, I'm just like I'm watching him dribble, and it's just like <laughs> I. Joel should not be as good at dribbling as he is. No. This is the thing. His skill level has genuinely gone up this season. In the same way that, like, um, Jokic is notably better on defense. Um, Embiid is a notably better passer and also notably more fluid off the dribble this season than in any other. Like, his 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 additions have all been to, like, add to his scoring repertoire on a game in a way that is just, like, not just, like, jab, step, and, and jacket. It is... I have moves, I have counters, I have skill for days. It's absurd. I think Jokic is going to edge it. I think Jokic is going to edge it. The, the odds are going to be tight. Um, I, I'm ju- I just keep watching him. Like He starts to dribble right again, and then that he, like the defender like just takes the bait, and he comes up left and shoots it. I'm just like, he's seven foot two or some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I'm look. I I need to do the Google thing for like translating odds into probabilities. But uh, odds to percentage. Uh, I because I just don't know what the fuck a minus one twenty line means. Just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but odds check. I don't either. Odds checkers basically say um. Embiid is the favorite right now, which is absurd to me. But like, edging it over Jokic, it would be incredible. I mean, Embiid won it. I like entire vindication of all the shit that the Sixers have gone through. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like you know, um, Embiid has like, okay, so Jokic has the fact that like there's no one else on the team like who who can do what he does. You know? Um. Embiid has the fact that, like, he held that team together when, like, you know, the the second best player on the team just threw a hissy fit for the first however many months of the season. The first half of the season, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Kept them in contention for, like, the one seed uh, during them, the entire Ben Simmons situation. Made them legit good. Like, literally putting a team on his back, and he was that good. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, um... My baseball question was just, have you been watching these Dave Steve SB Nation videos? I have been watching the Dave Steve uh, uh, Secret Base They're good. Videos. They're very good. They're getting back to the sort of thing where, like, um, you don't need the sort of, like, big, massive meta-narrative. It's very much about a dude. Like, we, this is yeah. a, pro- a profile of a guy. Um, and, like, they're often at their most preachy and mawkish when they're, like, trying to turn Atlanta into a referendum on, like, Trump-era politics or trying to turn the... Um, the UFC into like a referendum on like masculinity in the modern era. Like I appreciate it for when they do that, but like fundamentally I kind of love it when it's just a, some, some videos about guys, capital G guys. And this is, yeah, this is I, guy itch. I was hopeful for the Atlanta Falcons videos because, um, I loved their, their Mariners videos yeah, yeah. so much, but, um, the Falcons videos just did not hit for me really at all. I was, um, I was, like, fine with them because they're, like, clearly some of the most, like, visually appealing and impressive and also well, like, technically masterful versions of this thing. 
but fundamentally, it's not nearly as good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I like them. I think they're at their best when they're covering baseball. Oh, yeah. Um, baseball is, like, enough of a, like, like l- janky, weird, fucked up kind of sport that I just really appreciate when people cover it well. Shout out to yeah. shout out to, to Bailey as well. Foolish Bailey as well. Who's just, like, oh, yeah. a delight. Mostly even a delight on his second channel because that's the one where he says stroppy shit rather than just making the, like, slick baseball bits videos. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is that, like... Uh, I did not care for the most recent baseball bits. Like the the, the Jackie Robinson video is just like, oh, okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes like Bailey and I understand that he's in like a sports YouTube space, so yeah, this yeah. might he might see this as necessary. But sometimes he like takes a little time to like grandstand about like social issues that I'm just like, yeah, okay, yeah, like yes. I, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't need my political takes to come from like 25 year olds uh, baseball. Um, uh, social media personalities like that's fine but also also i understand when like you know there's probably a portion of your audience that's like well what's wrong with trevor bauer yeah why is everybody hate on trevor bauer so much um exactly but yeah uh, but when, but, when he's doing like ridiculous like re-sims of the entire 2010s or whatever that's like that's the shit i'm after yeah or indeed the, the second channel is i think my favorite yeah, of his stuff now which incl- is my favorite um my absolute favorite like dunk ever um well i haven't seen that much baseball content but like it would be up there for any sport ever um i need to find it there we go um this video is exceptional oh okay i'm clicking this i think i've seen this video but I, I don't I've, I've linked it before Oh yes, I do remember this. <laughs> I do remember this. Um, the the one um, I, I'm sure you've seen it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, it's the cult. Sorry, it's the cult strike video. Um, oh yeah, that he did. That that just like. Even if it wasn't a Kansas City player, just is constantly living in my brain. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, there are there are many many good bits here. I always appreciate a good bit. Um, they, the Royals got Zach Greinke back. I think it, like I can't tell whether this is like end of the career homecoming stuff or like this is the, a genuinely good move. I don't I don't have the skills to evaluate that. I, I it's just fun. Yeah, um, it's fun. I I I genuinely don't care if like it means we win more games or not. Um. I, I, um, <coughs> um, I'm at a place where I just kind of want to watch baseball and I want to watch the Royals because I miss Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, but I miss home. And, um, like the idea of, of, of Zach Brinke being back, like I'm 10 again, is just like, oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I will watch that. I don't care if we win. I, I have no idea. Like, it's one of those things where like, Zach Greinke is 38, but, like, Nolan Ryan was, like, 78 when he stopped pitching. Like, I have no idea how long people play baseball for. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he's still good, but I don't know shit about fuck. Yeah, no, it's um, very, very understandable. Um, I still don't know shit about who I care about. I know that the, um, the Phillies signed Nick Castellanos, and that might signal, like it's worth caring about the um 
the Phillies again to some degree um, mm. because last season was the Bryce Harper show and that was just fun. They also signed Carl Schwarber, uh, Schwarber, Schwarber, who is like one of those like uh, like hide gun type free agents who got traded mid season last year to I think Boston and was good, but like is just like a straight up like bomber. I feel like this is going to lean into the thing about the Phillies that was really embarrassing last year was that like incredible top end talent, like an MVP and like maybe I'm not going to say Shida won Cy Young, but like of like one of the two uh, horses in a Cy Young race and just like nothing lower down and especially like nothing in any of the defensive positions, like absolutely nothing um, in their, in their infield. And I don't think any of that is helped by any of the transactions they've made, which is <laughs> to reinforce the pitching, get two absolute bombers who are limited defensively in Castellanos Schwarber, and not really add much in terms of fielding. So I will see. It could be similarly embarrassing, but I don't know. I'm just like, eh, Phillies. Interesting. I've, I've semi-committed to the bit as a Philly sports fan. So we'll see. Um, I, d- um, I just want Harper to be really good again. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, I want Zach Grinky to be good again, or or as good. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares. Who cares? <laughs> but also, he he seems like one of the coolest players going. So he's such a fucking dork. Yeah. Um. um anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I vote we wrap up here because it's five p.m. Fair enough. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and it's much later for you. It is. Uh, less later because daylight savings nonsense. But um, Oh, right. It, it's going to be somewhat cool, I guess. Uh, eventually, you're going to be only five hours ahead in Central Time. That's cool. Uh, West, uh, East Coast will only be four hours ahead for half the year, at least. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah. This has been excellent. And I guess next time the expectation is we'll be back with a proper episode, which will be the Flume mixtape, the Kairo Tada album, and you come and to vibe and chat about them, right? Yeah, presumably. Hell yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. You all, dear listeners, can look forward to that as well. Uh, Thanks everybody for for sticking with us through all the all the weirdness. I I was glad to like do this and just like vibe check, you know. Vibe check. Um, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at terminal underscore coffee. Uh, I tweet about everything there. Uh, well, I, I, I tweet remarkably little there. I mostly tweet on locked these days, but I tweet about all the podcasts there. Poc- um, podcasts are the only thing that matter in the world. Yeah. Um, and you can go to export and that takes you to the Patreon page and, there on the Patreon page, you can see all the, um, uh, we have links to all the free feeds, was what I was trying to say, or you can give us a dollar a month and listen to every podcast early, or you can give us $5 a month and you can listen to Pop Town Funk, which is stupid. It is very stupid. Also, like, I'm begging you, please sort out the intro theme situation because, like, I, I cannot deal every single time with the, you know... This is that. <laughs> yeah, it. I. I'm sorry. I try and make an effort to not plus thirty seconds on my friend's podcast. I. 
<laughs> Listen, I've only edited one episode, and I included what I think is a much worse version of Uptown Funk than Nora included. That, that, is, so. that is true, but also, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, all, uh, you're all indicted in this. <laughs> we'll just endeavor to only have Hachimo and Kiara singing Uptown uh, Funk from now on. Yeah, I, I say that like it's an improvement. It's still kind of brutal, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if, I, if i was watching them do it on stream like that would improve it absolutely i'd like to look mm-hmm. at it was a whole bit that i had which was like you know we were talking about context and talking about places in your life to engage with music kim bellwood is a fiend and monster and i'm now currently playing project seko which is the hatsunimiku phone rhythm game and that is another way to fucking engage with music let me tell you you know what? I was actually thinking about that because I was listening. Like I say, I've been listening to a lot of old episodes of Normal Mapping, yeah. and they were just talking about rhythm games recently. And I was just like, I could just get back into rhythm games. Like I played a lot of Rock Band and Guitar Hero back in those days, and then I played around a lot of Rhythm Heaven in college. Yeah. Um, I played through like all the Rhythm Heaven games I could for like four years. Uh, haven't really played a lot of uh, rhythm games outside of that. So, listener, if if you uh, have recommendations, please feel free to get into the Abnormal Mapping Discord, go to Export Chat, and tell me what rhythm games you like, because um, I definitely I like rhythm games, and I don't play them a ton, and um, that would be fun to like spend more time with that. Don't tell me to play Thumper. I'm not, I, I've tried <laughs> playing Thumper. It's too hard. Yeah. It's too hard. So, T- tell me something to play else. Uh, I, I think I've got like two things to say. One of which is, like I don't know whether Crypt of the Necrodancer counts as a rhythm game, but I guess that's there. Oh, Yeah. I think of that as a different thing, yeah, but I do really like Crypt of the Necrodancer. There you go, that's one. The other is Clone Hero exists. It's like playing Guitar Hero on a PC. It's good. It's. I would just need to find the plastic again. Yeah. You know? I literally, <laughs> I, there was a moment a, like about a year ago, mid-pandemic, where I was trying to get into it and I was doing a bunch of charting and it was fun. Um, I got the biggest Clone Hero, Guitar Hero YouTuber and streamer to play Sophie's uh, face shopping. Um, oh, hell yeah. Uh, the, sadly, the video died because of copyright claims, but that exists and I made a chart for it. I also made a very, I think a very good John Coltrane chart, which I really am fond of. But like, this is a thing that exists now. Like because we are in the internet age and Guitar Hero has exploded and literally exploded into a billion pieces. You could just play jazz or you can play a, like, Kamasi Washington tracks, or or also jazz, or I, or you could play pop punk from like the last year if you wanted. That's just a thing you can do. Huh? I hadn't. Uh, so a while back, I tried getting into um, Thug Pro mm-hmm. and found myself feeling like, oh man, Tony Hawk is not as fun to me when you don't have the wrapper of like a campaign mode and objectives. Mm, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess in my head. When I have thought about Clone Hero before, I'm like, oh, Guitar Hero does not sound as fun when you don't have a campaign tied to it. But the other thing is that I fundamentally enjoy music and the act of playing Guitar Hero more than I enjoy playing Tony Hawk. Yeah, that's understandable. In which case, yeah, Clone Hero is a shout. Um, The other thing I will say is that I currently have several of the Project Sekai tracks running through my head. And also, it just happens to include, like, um, you know, massive amounts of uh, grinding to unlock a, a, a very, I'm not going to say uneven, changeable, uh, diverse uh, v- 
visual novel story, um, which ranges from boy at the carnival wants to be excellent carnival performer to suicidal girl disappears from the world and her friends who are also various degrees of mentally unwell try to struggle and save her. It's it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm bad at it, but I'm having fun. Um, but mostly I think I am putting the hours in in order to see anime girl story. So, you know. Um, huh. uh, if I can sell you on anything, this is my own chart of a John Coltrane track that I genuinely think is very good. Um, this is like... If I'm trying to sell you one, this is the thing that I, as a rounder who doesn't actually know how to play these games properly, can just do and like expand the capacity <laughs> for like what what you can do in Guitar Hero now. Like, eh, it's not bad. Um, yeah, uh, that was a that was a, a longish diversion for an outro. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Regression with Three S's. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm literally opening eBay to just Google like yeah. rock band. Uh, uh, <laughs> Strat. Um, that's the classic. That was that was my favorite. Mm. Was the was the rock band uh, Stratocaster? I wouldn't so. be surprised if they are somewhat expensive now. That's the thing is that like, if if I had thought ahead ten years ago, yeah, you keep it, and um, take care of it. I would have kept it because I would have been like. Oh well, even though I don't play Guitar Hero anymore, I still love my memories of Guitar Hero, so I'll just keep the guitar around. Um, but uh, that's not. No, I mean, I mean, I was I was never a Guitar Hero player in the first place. I had to like actively decide this seemed cooler than like other things. So this is the trade-off I made, um, and that I realize I'm making right now because I'm not playing this game actively. I just like it and enjoy the content. Is that what would I rather do in terms of spending hours practicing to get good at a thing related to music I care about? Uh, get good at Guitar Hero or get good at playing a piano? <laughs> yeah. The answer is quite simple for me. I, I, yeah. Part of moving to my place was finding a space that I could fit a full-size ele electric piano in. I'm considering going back to get lessons and stuff like that. Like, I think that there is... Hell yeah. There is, like, a lot more space for me to just, like, return to getting good at playing and composing stuff then like this is a really w wonderful thing and i will like if friends ask me to make charts for their shit i will happily do that but like fundamentally i care about you know music music not music that simulates music and there's some all, all <laughs> sorts of things hiding in there but i do not care about digging into that <laughs> uh anyway uh yeah that time we that time we bounced bye everybody bye